You're listening to RTI Audio, powered by Rocky Top Insider. This is the RTI Press Pass with Rick Butler and Ryan Jumpert. Welcome into the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass Instant Reaction Podcast. Rick Butler, Ryan Shumpert here with you. We are sitting right here in one of the press boxes of Neyland Stadium. And Ryan, normally when we're doing this podcast, we're sitting here, we're overlooking an empty Neyland Stadium field. There's sprinklers going off. There's trash everywhere. But normally there are field goal posts at both sides of the stadium. I look down tonight and there are not. That is just one of the many, many pieces of aftermath to Tennessee's victory over Alabama here in Knoxville. It was wild. Number six, Tennessee defeats number three, Alabama, by a score of 52 to 49. And ultimately, Ryan, there are so many things that we can say about this game. There are so many little directions to take this in, but I kind of want to turn it over to you first. We game's been over for a couple hours now, a little while now. What's the first thing you're thinking about right now, a couple hours after the game has officially ended? That's a good question. I mean, it's the fact that Tennessee did it. And it, so many times uh, over the last 10 years, 15 years, when Tennessee struggled, it, it felt like they were close. It felt like maybe not necessarily always against Alabama, but in big games they were close to knocking on the door. And they knocked it down, and they did it with a, a lot of mistakes. or Maybe not a lot of mistakes, but a handful of mistakes that were really big. And uh, the biggest one probably coming with five minutes left in the game when Tennessee, uh, Jabari Small and Hinton Hooker fumbled a handoff exchange and uh, Turner for Alabama picked it up and ran it in for a touchdown. I mean, it completely flipped the game and it felt like, it didn't feel like ten- the game was over because Tennessee still just down seven and its offense was playing well, but Tennessee's defense was not playing well. And the fact that it was however much time, five minutes and change left on the clock when it happened, it felt like that was a really debilitating mistake. And for and it kind of it felt like that way until it was 30 seconds left. And when Will yeah. Riker missed a field goal, and then Tennessee uh, with an incredibly quick and impressive two-play drive to get in the field goal range, and Chase McGrath hit, hit it home. So I guess my long-winded answer is just the resiliency uh, from Tennessee and uh, a team that really never said quit, never said die, never seemed to doubt itself. Uh, when in a lot of times, or at least a handful of times through the game, it kind of felt like, oh man, here we go again with Tennessee blowing a great chance. You know, we were driving home from LSU last weekend and we were listening to the Titans game on the radio. And I remember you saying at one point, you know, I can't remember who you were talking, maybe if it was a team in the past or the current Titans team or somebody, but you said, you know, with this offense, it's in such a, you know, it's in a tough place because you get one kind of penalty. They, they move behind the chains and you really feel like they're not going to be able to overcome that. We've seen that feeling a lot uh, for former Tennessee teams in the past, but one thing that I was really impressed by with, with this game, and I think this game really exemplified it, was just Tennessee's, like you're saying, just Tennessee's ability to take punches. I, I mean, all throughout that second half, they were taking punches, and some of those were even sucker punches, but they were able to get back up. There were so many times in the second half where I felt like, man, if this was a different Tennessee team that we've seen, that would have been the kill shot. That would have been the, the ending shot, whatever it was. But man, like you said, the resiliency of this team, to be to have their backs as far against the wall as you could possibly have 
with Alabama lining up to, to take that kick and really even the couple of plays beforehand, and then to be able to flip all of that momentum, 100% of momentum, bring the ball down to the other side of the field and kick that field goal. Uh, I agree. I think the resiliency is standout. Yeah, and that is this year's Titans team that I was referring to. <laughs> our, our Titans fans listening to us uh, okay. will definitely, uh, I think, agree. I it's not much of a hot take uh, by me there. But hey, you're right, and I think when you look at Tennessee's offense and where it was just two years ago, uh, the worst, I mean, I think second worst in the SEC ahead of Vanderbilt, and it was just, I mean, it was phenomenal night. I mean, Tennessee's receivers dominated Alabama's corners. And Jalen Hyatt, especially. I'm sure we'll get to more on him in a second. Uh, dominated Alabama's corners. And it just felt like Tennessee could score at any time on any play. And in oh, yeah. football in 2022, and especially college football in 2022, that's just such a valuable valuable skill. I mean, it's flipped. It used to be about defenses winning championships, and you got to be good on defense. you got to have guys there. But it's offense that wins championships now. Just look at the last five years of college football. Yep. Who knows if this season will end in a championship for Tennessee, but its offense is certainly good enough to win a championship. And tonight, it made play after play, I should say this afternoon, it made play after play after play on Shield Watkins Field to knock off Nick Saban and an Alabama team that's ridiculed them, dominated them for 15 years, and really is maybe a poster child for how that college football uh, landscape I was just talking about with the offense has really flipped. I mean, it's all old Alabama teams would beat you with defense, and in the past few years, they've changed, and now they got to beat you with offense. Yeah, no doubt about it. Okay, real quick, I just got to do this. Look, it's 1030 at night. We've been working since early in the morning. We'd have basketball, football. We've had a lot going on. Oh, it wasn't as much. It's caffeine, okay? I'm, I'm drinking a soda right now. Ryan, one thing that you said a second ago, and you said I'm sure we'll get to it here in a bit. I want to get to it right now. Jalen Hyatt, man, on the night. I thought he had one answer in his press conference that was so telling, right, of, to me, kind of a microcosm of what this offseason has been, what this build, especially to this game, has been. Even Coach Heupel talked about it afterwards as well, but Jalen really said that, hey, I remember standing there in Tuscaloosa last year when Alabama fans were lighting up their cigars before the game was over. He said that that feeling right there stuck with him, and it stuck with him, and it stuck with him. All the way through the offseason, we saw Jalen Hyatt put in, the, so we heard, the most work uh, that he's ever put in during his time at Tennessee. We have seen uh, the fruits of that work come to fruition here in the first couple weeks, but I really feel like it culminated in a game tonight. He had five touchdowns, and that just tells me that, hey, he's probably been thinking about that cigar smoke before the clock hit zero for a good while now. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it a lot, how Tennessee... You know, without Cedric Tillman each game, they need they need guys to step up. And some of that's Ramel Keaton, who's playing a lot in replace of Cedric Tillman. But it's really more Brew McCoy and Jalen Hyatt, because they're going to yeah. see increased uh, targets and, and increased defensive pressure. And Jalen I mean, Jalen Hyatt was phenomenal tonight. Uh, there were a lot of good players on both teams' offense, and I don't want to mean to dismiss a really good performance by Hendon Hooker, but to me, Bryce Young and Jalen Hyatt were the two best players on the field tonight. And Jalen Hyatt... It, Alabama's defense couldn't stay in front of them. You missed it, mentioned it, five touchdowns from 36 yards, 60 yards, and 78 yards. And he just was dynamic, big plays, and just what we just talked about or what I just mentioned about Tennessee feeling like they could score at any time. Jalen Hyatt was a huge, huge part of that tonight, and Alabama's corners really didn't have any answers for him. Yeah, I agree. One thing I want to go back to is uh, actually on, on the Pat McAfee show yesterday, he was talking to Gabe Davis uh, uh, of the of the Buffalo Bills, who is actually a wide receiver under Josh Heupel back at UCF. And they were kind of talking about how 
Man, in Heupel's offense at UCF, Gabe Davis said, hey, I don't really know exactly what they do here at Tennessee now, but I know back then we went fast. And I believe somebody on the show said, I think they might even go a little bit faster this year. But one of the things he talked about, which made his ability to be in that offense successful and something that's really translated over to the NFL, was he said that Heupel, he was just so great at putting in these option routes for the receivers, letting them take advantage of what they're seeing on the field, not being coached up, right, but not being exactly told what to do, being trusted to be able to make the right decision on the field. I, I think you saw it time and time again, and of course, you could say this about Tennessee's 6-0 start for a lot of these games, but especially the one tonight, I really felt like Tennessee's wide receivers made some great choices, and, and that was certainly something that I was looking for tonight after hearing that interview yesterday. So that all just the, the ability to kind of snowball into each other, I thought that was really good. And you mentioned a second ago, Hendon Hooker, uh, another phenomenal night from him. 385 yards, which crazy enough kind of gets, like you said, outshadowed by Bryce Young's 455 yards. But nonetheless, Hendon Hooker put up five touchdowns in the air. We saw them go to uh, um, Jalen Hyatt. We also saw a little shovel pass to, to Princeton Fan as well. But really just from Tennessee's skill players, from Tennessee's passing game, great job. Yeah, it really was. I mean, it was, it was phenomenal. And yeah, I think the play that will be forgotten about and it probably should be forgotten about it but well, I mean it seemed like the game was over when Hendon Hooker on I believe was fourth down rolled to his left threw an interception in in the end zone Alabama returned at about 90 yards into the 10 yard line and a pass interference call uh, kept Tennessee alive and obviously that proved to be huge and uh, I think well I was going to mention the run game but as a whole I just want to mention Tennessee's offensive line which I thought oh, was great tonight and has been really good this season I, I think really surpassed my expectations uh, for this offensive line. The four guys that are back, four starters that are back, are playing at an extremely high level. And I certainly think Gerald Mincy and then Jeremiah Crawford, who's gotten a lot of run the last two weeks too at that left tackle spot, have been really good. That's in pass protection. I mean, they faced the best, uh, probably I would say the best pass rush in, in the country tonight in Alabama. Did a really good job of keeping him and Hooker upright. He got sacked one time. He was pressured a couple other times. And certainly, I think one of Hooker's great strengths is he just has a great pocket presence and feel mm-hmm. for when he needs to take off and run. And it, that's such an underrated part of Hooker's game. He ran for 56 yards tonight, and 20 yards was the longest. And a lot of those runs don't go for a lot of yards, but he's so good at running for three yards on plays that easily could be sacked. And then I guess to flip it the other side, Alabama's run defense is really good. It was first in the SEC coming into the night. Actually, these two teams were first and second in run defense. Arkansas is really the only team Alabama played all year that had any success running the ball. Tennessee averaged 4.7 yards a carry, 182 yards. It wasn't phenomenal. It wasn't like last week when they were just gashing LSU. But uh, we talked about it this week. Tennessee needs to stay in front of the sticks because of that really good Alabama pass rush, and they did that. They ran the ball consistently, had a lot of success, and certainly credit goes to Hooker. It goes to Jabari Small. It goes to Jalen Wright. Uh, who all did some good things on the ground, but a lot of that, a lot, a lot of good, that goes to the Tennessee's offensive line. And I think I'm rambling now, but going into the season when I looked at, at Tennessee's offense, the question was, could they get that much better running the ball? We knew the passing attack was going to be good with Hendon Hooker, with Josh Heupel's system, with Cedric Tillman coming back. They had to replace some receivers, but there was, I don't think there was any doubt that Tennessee's passing attack was going to be good. It was how much better can Tennessee's running attack be. It was good in some games last year. It obviously dominated Missouri. It was good against lesser opponents. But when Tennessee had to line up and run the ball against the Georgias of the world, the Alabamas, the Fordas of the world, they didn't run the ball that great. 
Tennessee's ran the ball well now this season uh, against the big boys in the SEC. They'll have their biggest challenge here in a couple weeks in, in Athens. And what uh, some of my Georgia friends are already saying is going to be the biggest regular season game in Sanford Stadium history, which I guess makes it the biggest game in Sanford Stadium history. They don't play postseason games uh, on college campuses, at least for now, until the playoff expands. But uh, just a kudos uh, to Tennessee's offensive line, who has been great this year, and they have met, met their biggest challenge to date tonight with another phenomenal performance. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you you hit the nail on the head right there, and there's not much to add to it. I, I just think you're right. I, I think, you know, you look at what Tennessee was able to do on the ground tonight, and it was really impressive. And, you know, we've talked about this a lot throughout the season, but just the balance to Tennessee's offense that's so important, I think you see why tonight just forcing the defense to, to play honest, right? I, I think that's such a crucial thing because it does provide a little bit more space around the field, or at least provide... Uh, provides a little bit more balanced space throughout the field rather than uh, an opposing team kind of stacking the box or dropping more guys into the secondary against the pass. It makes them play really honest defense, and that's that's where you see Tennessee take advantage of it. And then, like you said, uh, again, I think you hit the nail on the head, but just the offensive line. Uh, a tremendous job. They were able to bring in Mincy over the offseason from Florida, got SEC experience. Uh, I don't know if he played a ton, but you know, at least kind of going through an SEC program. Has really been able to step in and, and has done a good job even last week when you know, they had a little bit of rotation there in Mincy's left tackle spot. Good, good job all around. Now, Ron, I want to flip to the defense a little bit. Now, you know, to me, when you talk about the defenses, it's a little hard because there were over 100 combined points in this game. There were 101 points. I mean, you look at Alabama's defense and you know that they're talented. Tennessee put up, you know, half, over half 100 against them. Obviously, Tennessee's defense allowed 49 points against Alabama. What was kind of your takeaway? What kind of your thoughts on just Tennessee's defensive ability in this game? To me, obviously there's there's things to improve on. You know, the secondary certainly struggled there in the second half with Bryce Young getting close to 500 yards of offense, but hey, they did what they needed to do to win. Yeah, I mean, I think they were overmatched to start with, and that wasn't any huge surprise, especially when you saw uh, Jalen McCullough wasn't going to go and Kamal Haddon, who really has been at least Tennessee's best corner. I'm not sure him or Flowers would probably be Tennessee's best defensive back to date this year. He wasn't going to be able to go. And more guys went down during the game. I mean, yeah. we talked about it in our post game down on the field. Tennessee got a walk-on corner in the game on the last drive against Bryce Young and the reigning Heisman Trophy winner in Alabama. And Tennessee found a way to get a stop. And I guess in a game where they struggled uh, when they brought pressure, Bryce Young eluded them really, really well. Uh, Jameer Gibbs had a couple big runs, so I do think Tennessee contained Alabama's rushing attack for the most part. I think the positive, and it was huge, was Tennessee forced Alabama to kick some field goals. They forced them to kick twice in the first half, including one right inside the five-yard line, and then obviously uh, there at the end of the game, they Alabama was able to get in the field goal range, but they made Will Reichard uh, try a 50-yard field goal. Reichard's a good kicker. I don't think he missed a kick all of last season, but obviously that's a long kick, and certainly getting the stop where they did, and it was 4th and 10, so you know they, Alabama passed the ball three straight plays, three straight incompletions. Uh, I thought that was huge. They, they forced Alabama into field goals, and then, like I said, that last one was a, a pretty long field goal. Hey, and let's, let's kind of you know expand it out and play a little what-if even more. Or excuse me, Alabama had that Will Record uh, field goal from 43 yards with 36 seconds left in the half. In the first half, that made it a 20 to 28 game with Tennessee leading. If Tennessee had not forced a, a field goal opportunity right there, and let's say Alabama had scored a touchdown, now you're only going into halftime up one point, uh, and Bama does get the first score of the third quarter, which tied them at 28 in that case, 
but it would have given them the, given them the lead a little bit earlier, maybe made that a little bit less manageable for Tennessee's offense. So you're right. You can really see in hindsight how forcing those field goals helped the overall flow of the game. I mean, that was definitely a, a, a big-time moment right there before the uh, before the end of the first half. But uh, ultimately, I think special teams, not bad. Yeah, it was. I mean, really the one mistake I think you would point to on, on special, well, two mistakes. Chase McGrath missed the extra point. Uh, and then Jimmy Holiday, who... I'm not. I am long college NFL. Whoever I'm watching, you never take the ball out of the end zone unless you just have a Devin Hester, Cordero right, Patterson, yeah. and Jimmy Holiday all day hadn't even taken him out of the end zone. Hadn't he'd fair caught it when he caught it in the one yard line? He took one out of the end zone three yards deep uh, there in the fourth quarter, made it to about the 15 yard line, blocking the back start of that drive at the five yard line for Tennessee, and then that's when uh, the fumble that we previously mentioned happened. So really, those two mistakes. Besides that, uh, Tennessee was good special teams. I thought Tennessee's kick coverage uh, was really good and. I think a very a forgotten play in the first half is when uh, Tennessee punted for the first time, maybe the only time in the game, uh, and an Alabama player tried to pick up the ball. Uh, I guess he That's thought right. it had gotten touched by uh, the heel of the returner. It had not, and then Tennessee was right there to hit him as he tried to pick it up and, and jump on it. I thought that was a really crucial play in the first half. That I mean, heck, there was 101 points scored, so there's a lot of good <laughs> plays in this game, but uh, one that probably is going to go overlooked. Yeah, no doubt about it. Okay, one of the last things that I wanted to get – your opinion on, and, and we haven't even really kind of discussed this, but we were in different spots for the end of the game. Uh, I think I was down there by the uh, by the field goal where McGrath's kick went through. You were up here, and you kind of had the all-22 view of, uh, of kind of the ending of the game. I want to ask you what your thoughts were on Alabama's final drive right there. Uh, you know, because for us, it was on the far side of the field. It was kind of hard to see, especially with the yardage and, and what they were trying to do. But I really was confused why Alabama wasn't running it. Did you kind of have that same thought, or at least what, what were your thoughts from up here watching the extended, uh, essentially all-22 view of that final drive by Alabama that ultimately gave the ball back for Tennessee to drive down? Yeah, that's a great point. I think it was very bad clock management. And Alabama got a first down, I have it in front of me, maybe third and seven. They got him down to whatever it ended up being the 33-yard line where they kicked it. And then the way I just, like I just mentioned, they passed the ball three straight times. One of those plays, they should have ran the ball, at least one of them, uh, to either run clock or at least force Tennessee to take their timeouts. And, and Jameer Gibbs had run the ball well. Tennessee was playing pass uh, to make, make it a shorter field goal for Riker as well. So I think you're right. I think Alabama's clock management was not very good uh, on the end of that drive. And uh, I thought Tennessee's defensive game plan, play calling, whatever you want to call it, was strong. And it's what we've seen a lot. We saw it in the year last year against Kentucky. We saw it at Pitt. They just brought pressure. And I thought that was smart because they weren't getting home before and the defensive backs as banged up as they were weren't going to be able to guard Alabama for a long periods of time. They said, we're coming right at you. We get burned, we get burned. Uh, Tennessee, I mean, Alabama hit some passes on that uh, drive against the Blitz, but nothing uh, too deep over the top. And certainly uh, I think that strategy paid off. Yeah, no doubt. And then I guess even just kind of moving into the kick right there. Let's talk about the game winner from from Chase Mag- uh, from Chase McGrath. Excuse me, a little bit of a uh, got tongue tied there. Man, that was a. Oh, I think a lot of people are holding their breath for that kick. You know, I, I got to say, during the press conference, somebody asked Chase McGrath if, hey, when when that ball connected with your foot, did you know it was going in, or was there a tiny bit of hesitation? Now. Uh, forgive me, I can't really remember too well what his answer was, but 
Ryan, I gotta tell you, at least for me, from my perspective, I did have a little bit of hesitation. Once you started to see that ball kinda wobble a bit and it came out of knuckleball, it came out of duck, I, I could tell it was going straight, but I wasn't sure if it was going to have the distance. Sure enough, uh, it snuck, and I mean snuck, in the back of the end zone. You can actually, not to, uh, uh, not to give myself too much credit for anything, but you can actually go over to my Twitter account, at uh, Rick underscore Butler, and I have a, a pretty good video, I guess, of, the, uh, of that final kick. And you can really see just how much it went through by, it's also actually on the Racket Up Instagram YouTube account. Yeah, um, Rick's underselling it. That was he's got the best video I've seen of it. I mean, he's right on that right goalpost, and it really gives you a, a good vantage point of just how little room it had to spare when it got over the uprights. All right, fine. It was a pretty good video. Now that you said it, I'll say it as well. It was a pretty good video. Go and check that out, either on my Twitter account or on the Rocky Top Insider YouTube account for the full video. But your thoughts? Just that drive into the kick. Yeah. Well, I mean, on the drive, I thought. It was just so un Alabama to give up those plays. I mean, right. neither uh, was in super tight coverage. I, I give credit to Bruce McCoy. He caught his first pass of the game was on Tennessee's first offensive play. His second pass was on Tennessee's last offensive play, and it was pretty contested. It, Hooker was a little late throwing that, so credit to him. And then on the kick, yeah, I mean, I was what it was very strange. I was watching Nick Saban. Nick Saban was standing. He had one more timeout left. He was standing right by the lines judge, and he had his hands. I mean, I'm doing the hand motion right now, like this is in a podcast. <laughs> He had his hands in the timeout motion. In the T. In the T motion. And so at first, I couldn't really tell if he called it timeout. And Chase McGrath, as I'm sure everybody saw, kind of hesitated when he went in to kick it. It looked very awkward. And then obviously I saw the wobbler, and I thought, well, there's no way this is going to go in, it being wobbling. And then, uh, like anyone who has been in a football stadium and is not behind the uprights knows, when a kick happens, you turn and watch the fans behind the uprights. And they told me it went in, and it was it was kind of hard to believe that it found a way to get in. But uh, Tennessee was fortunate that it was a 40-yard field goal, not a 42-yard field goal. I'm not sure it would have gone in if it did. But at the end of the day, that doesn't matter. And credit to Chase McGrath on what was a pretty awkward kick uh, for at least getting it straight <laughs> and powering it all the way through. Yeah, it, it, it certainly was a, a crazy situation. And, you know, I remember, and you can see it in the video as well, uh, the kick happens. I turn around to face the student section right there. And there are already people just buzzing by me. I mean, people were flying out of the stands. Then I immediately turned back around towards the field and you have Henry Toto and other Alabama players just absolutely hauling it off the field, which uh, rightfully so. I I guess I probably would have done the same as well. But nonetheless, that was just a a crazy, crazy environment. We'll finish up the, the podcast talking about that a little bit later on. But Ryan, I'll throw it over to you just to any kind of final thoughts on the game, final thoughts on the night, final thoughts on the day, post-game, whatever you want. Go ahead and take it. Yeah, so one final thought. Uh, pray for the grounds crew this week. They're going to have quite a bit of work to do. And, <laughs> it, and I mean, we're looking at it right now. There's two of them. One of them is just a massive patch taken out of the checkerboard. Dude, it's a crater. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost the size of a full square. A school, a full checker into checkerboard. I think if I stepped in it, I might fall halfway through the center of the earth. Yeah, I mean it's it's massive. <laughs> I hope, <laughs> I hope whoever, anything like it. I hope whoever got it was divvying it up amongst people <laughs> because it's just going to be awkward to have that big of a piece of grass uh, wherever. I'm sure it'll get framed or something. And then the last thing. Uh, the kick goes in, and you know, I think one of the cool things about being in the press box is we're so close to the visiting coaches where we're sitting in the visiting coaches right now and the home coaches box. Uh, 
And Tennessee's coaches were fired up. Uh, they were going really pretty berserk. Uh, really, when they came out, and, and you know, lots lots of let's goes, lots of yelling, and uh, I think you know, a couple who, you know, who believed in us, you know, something like that. But uh, a very very fired up group of Tennessee coaches exiting uh, the the press box. Well, yeah, well, I mean, that certainly matches the reaction from the students down there on the field, just the whole crowd as they were rushing. I, I mean, I, I was standing there at about the 50-yard line, and again, this is all in the video. You can go check it out. It's property of Rocky Top Insider. Uh, I was standing there about, you know, the 50-yard line, and just every single where you'd look, there, there's people bumping into you, there's people going crazy, there's people throwing babies in the air. I mean, there's water bottles getting thrown around. It was just pandemonium. Uh, like I have never seen before in Knoxville, and I've been here almost a decade. Uh, so it, it was just, it, it was a truly remarkable experience. Ryan, we said this after the Florida game as well, but we knew this game was going to be big. I mean, like, big, big, big. Tennessee's fans showed out. I, I think Tennessee continues to put, uh, to put themselves on the college football map this year. After being a little bit of a, you know, after being hibernating for a, uh, for a good little stretch of time there. This is truly a team that is a sleeping giant now. Not only is it a team that's that, it, it is a fan base that is uh, just so unbelievably thrilled to finally be here in this position. Some remember and, and some don't. There's a whole generation of, of fans out there right now uh, who are following the product, who are following Tennessee football, who have not seen wins like this, wins to this caliber that, that, other, uh, that other folks have. So uh, just once again, really, really, really impressed with uh, the way that Tennessee's fans were able to show out, the way that they were able to uh, will on their team throughout the game, and, and just the, the celebration was something that I do not think I will ever forget. Yeah, I don't think there's been a Tennessee sports moment as big as tonight since Phil Fulmer lifted the trophy in Tempe, Arizona, uh, two months before I was born. So I think that gives you a, a pretty good indication of what this, what this win means to people. And for Tennessee to have lost so many straight games in this rivalry and to do it the way they did it tonight, uh, there's, there's tons. I mean, win or lose, there's going to be tons of energy around this program and the way Josh Heifel's turned it around. Uh, Tennessee, they, they wandered in the desert, and, you know, this win isn't, you know, it's not going to be everything. It doesn't determine that Josh Heifel's going to win a national championship. But whatever we are now, 19 games into his tenure, it's. Pretty hard not to think he's the right guy to turn Tennessee around and get him back to national relevance. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, it. he's done it. The national relevance right now. They're going to be, I would think, at lowest number three or four in the AP poll tomorrow. Uh, I would think Ohio State and Georgia are ahead of them. I wouldn't think anybody else is. There are playoff conversations to, to be had going forward now. There, there is uh, trying to figure out how these things could work. There's, there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of fun stuff at play over the next couple weeks certainly especially leading into that Georgia matchup in early November so just a, a truly remarkable experience here tonight again number six Tennessee defeats number three Alabama by a score of 52 to 49 no they did not need overtime to do it Chase McGrath's 40-yard field goal at the buzzer is the is the difference maker right there and, and it was just a truly uh, truly crazy time all right so now that I'm rambling myself, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up and get out of here. Obviously, as always, you can go check out all of our content tonight. We're going to have a lot. We're, we're going to be up late doing a lot tonight. You can go and find all of that over at RockyTopInsider.com. Also, make sure to stay in touch with all the Rocky Top Insider socials. That would be Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. We are at Rocky Top Insider on all of them. we got good content going out over there. And then, hey, if you want to follow Ryan, you can do that at rshump 0 
If you, uh, if you want to follow along with me, you can do that at Rick underscore Butler. But, uh, man, just stay tuned to the Rocky Top Insta website because there will be a lot, a lot, a lot coming out over the next uh, 36 hours or so, I should say. Before yeah. at least the next, the next week starts. Now, it is a little bit of a, of a give yourself a breather week. It's UT Martin. Yeah, I mean, Tennessee gets the scheduling break of all time getting UT Martin next week. Because and the bye week after Florida. Yeah, they really did, but I mean, especially. Okay, yeah, I yeah. Mean, there's never been a letdown spot bigger than what Tennessee has next Saturday, and luckily for them, they get the Skyhawks in town, so it shouldn't be too difficult for them to get past them. It's a noon, right? Yes, thankfully. Ooh, okay. Well, all thankfully right. for us, we're going to be here well into the, to the morning hours tonight, uh, so. I'll be glad to get home and watch, the night <laughs> yeah. and get and watch some night games next week. Yeah, no doubt about that. All right, my friend. Well, we are wrapping up on uh, – or we're, we're getting close to 30 minutes here. So let's go ahead and wrap this thing up and get out of here. Hey, thanks so much for listening tonight. Go ahead and tell a friend. Go ahead and leave us a rating. Go ahead and subscribe to the Rocky Top Bands that are Press Pass podcast. We will be back sometime in the middle of the week, most likely. Obviously, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot going on. And just as a heads up so you can be ahead and you can tell your friends and be impressive – uh, SEC Media Basketball Days coming up this week. We will be there covering that as well. So quite a bit going on. Again, make sure to stay t- uh, tuned in to Rocky Top Insider all the time. Otherwise, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you back next week. This has been the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass Instant Reaction Podcast with Ryan Shumpert and Rick Butler. <laughs>